back with you. Uh, we traveled a little over 3,600 miles, and so it's time to give the truck a rest. Um, actually, when we were packing our stuff to leave, uh, we intended to take Ryan's Explorer in our car, and then we realized we couldn't fit everything in the car. And so we had to switch plans and, and take our truck, and about four, a little over 400 miles into the trip, uh, there was a huge grinding noise in my truck. I mean, terrible. And uh, I was like, this is not what we had in mind, and uh, pulled off the highway and said, well, we better get a room for the night. Did that, took it to the garage at 7 o'clock the next morning, and the guy uh, said, my uh, technician doesn't come till 8. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so he comes at 8 o'clock, and I'm thinking, why has God allowed this to happen? I guess we're supposed to try to connect with the guy at the garage or something. And so we were able to get him a gospel track and talk with him a little bit. And uh, they pulled the wheels off and uh, put the wheels back on, drove it five miles. There was no more sound, and there hasn't been any sound since. Now, I don't know what pulling the wheels off and putting them back on does, but God must have healed the truck somehow. And we are thankful for that and for safety. And as far as empty nesters, uh, we were on our way home, and I told Pam we got to do something special as empty nesters. And so we stopped it and see the Ark Encounter, because uh, we hadn't seen that yet. We stopped at the Creation Museum. And, um, you know, I told her before we left the trip, I said, I'd really like to go to a presidential library sometime. And so on our way home, we found uh, the Lincoln Library. It was only about 70 miles out of the way, so we went and took that in. And as we're walking through that museum, it really hit me that we're empty nesters. I started looking around at all the people around us, and they all had gray heads. I'm like, oh, no, we are in the empty nester crowd. It used to be the amusement parks, and now we go to the museums. So go figure. Um, but anyhow, God is good. The boys are off to a good start, I think, and uh, texted uh, Brandon, first day of classes, I texted him about noon, said, how's it going? And he, in typical Brandon fashion, sent back no words and just three smiley faces. And that's Brandon, a man of few words, um, but quite excited. So we're thankful uh, for all that God has done, is doing, and good to be back uh, with you. Today we are talking about biblical femininity and before I scare you, um, you know, yeah, we're going to look at Proverbs 31, but, and, and sometimes I think ladies get the idea of when we look at Proverbs 31, they feel like they've just been thrown in this deep cistern, this deep hole. They can barely see the light at the top. It's like, I'm going to be buried with scripture. I'm going to be buried with guilt and, you know, fall way short of the mark. Well, guess what? Join the crowd. We all fall far short of the glory of God. We are all broken people. And really, there's an element, every time I get up to preach God's word, every time I get up to preach God's word, or talk to somebody in counseling about God's word, and is this true, not true, not only in my own life, but your life true, there is an element in every one of our lives of hypocrisy. If we are honest... How many of us live up to the level of Scripture every day of our lives, every moment? We don't. We don't. In our brokenness, we fail. There are times I'm jealous. There's times I'm envious. There are times I'm angry. I mean, 
So there is an element of hypocrisy in every one of us. So the goal here is not to take this big Proverbs 31 stick and start beating you over the head, making you feel guilty and poor. Actually, I want you to be encouraged. And the other thing about Proverbs 31 that made me look at this, there, there was a theologian that wrote about the passage, and it made me think about it a little bit differently, is this. It was actually written, this is going to blow you away, for young men, not for young women. And the reason I say that is because who was the book of Proverbs written to? For young men. And so really, it's telling young men, here's what you should be looking for in a wife, in a spouse. Here's what you should be looking for. And, but it's still good for ladies to look at it and say, here's what we should be aspiring to. And the reason I say that is because this passage from uh, Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10, through verses 31, is a Hebrew acrostic. What that means is every verse, beginning with verse 10, goes right through the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and verse 10 begins with the first letter, Aleph, in the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes right through the Hebrew alphabet through verse 31. The other aspect is this is a literary masterpiece, just like all of Scripture, because in the middle of this text, it kind of shows us. Look in verse 23, because this seems to jump out. It's talking about, you know, if you look down in verse you know, 10, 11, 12, it's, it's she, it's her, it's she, it's her, it's she, it's her. It's, it's that all the way through. Because the word she is used 20 times, the word her is used 27 times. But when we look at verse 23, it says, Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Here's the idea, guys. If you are not yet married, you better marry well, because if you want to be respected in the city gates, it's your wife that is going to make the difference or to make you or break you. You better look for the kind of wife that emulates or strives or aspires to these kind of characteristics in their life. It doesn't mean perfection. We are all broken by sin. And husbands, if you have a wife that is aspiring to this kind of lifestyle, not perfection, but they're godly, they're, and we have a lot of godly ladies in this church, and I'm thankful. If you have that kind of spouse, you better thank the Lord for her and just today or this week, make a special note to thank her for all that she does and for who she is. I mean, we need to do that. It's a gift from the Lord. When we look at verse 10, for instance, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. What he's saying is this kind of woman who is striving to live this kind of life is rare. You don't just find them by accident or haphazard. It is through the sovereignty of God leading you and her together. Think back of how God brought you together. He sovereignly ordained you to be together. It is a wonderful thing in marriage. And I want us to look at this uh, definition Femininity from the dictionary. Let me go back. We're getting there. 
It's got a little delay. Uh, having qualities or characteristics traditionally ascribed to women as sensitivity, delicacy, or prettiness. It's a little better definition than we had of masculinity, but it still is kind of lacking. Um, in the 1960s, Betty Friedens wrote a book called The Feminine Mystique in which she advocated strong women to pursue power um, that would provide the road to self-actualization and happiness. And it became a power trap. And then that idea was continued into the 70s by a lady named Gloria Steinem, who perpetuated Frieden's philosophy and moved the feminist agenda to the middle class and suburban women of our world. And she pushed that idea. However, this idea did not originate with Frieden or Steinem. It originated with Satan in the garden. When he came to Eve and he gave her the idea of power, that's where it all began. And that's where it all fell apart. Elizabeth Elliot said to me, a lady is not frilly, flouncy, flippant, frivolous, and fluff-brained, but she is gentle, she is gracious, she is godly, and she is giving. If you are a woman, you have the gift, listen, the gift of femininity. It is a wonderful gift from the Lord. Very often it is obscured just as the image of God is obscured in all of us. Femininity is not a curse, and it is not a triviality either. It is a gift, it is a divine gift to be accepted with both hands and to thank God for because remember it was his idea. It was his idea. God's gifts of masculinity and femininity within the human race there was never meant to be competition between them. That was not God's design. That came as a result of the fall. God will receive greater glory when women live out their femininity and men live out their masculinity. And you'll have to go back and listen to the sermons on masculinity if you've missed those. Confusion over masculinity and femininity is epidemic in our culture today. We are trying to go to a genderless culture. They're even trying to remove the name baby and call them thabies. They're doing everything they can to remove this idea of gender in our culture. And even recently I learned about men who are dressing up in women's clothing. They call them drag queens. And they're going into the public schools and they are reading books to kids to sway them in their gender identity. It's sad. John Piper and Wayne Grudem write, the consequences of this confusion is more divorce, more homosexuality, more sexual abuse, more promiscuity, more emotional distress and suicide that come with the loss of God-given identity. Patricia Ennis writes, the women desiring to embrace Christian femininity begins with two presuppositions. One, that women are created in God's image. And two, they are designed to fulfill specific roles. 
In Genesis 2.18, he says the woman is going to be a suitable helper. That's what God has called them to do and to be a suitable helper. Many instructions in Scripture explain how a Christian woman can live out her femininity. Genesis 2.18, as I mentioned a moment ago, helping. Proverbs 11.16, where they exhibit graciousness. Living a pure life, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Dressing modestly, 1 Timothy 2, 9. We'll talk more about that maybe even next week. 1 Peter 3, 3, developing a gentle and quiet spirit. 1 Peter 3, 4. Ephesians 5, 22, submitting to her husband. And Titus 2, teaching the younger women. So this is a literary masterpiece. And how hard is it to find this kind of woman? Well, I was thinking about uh, the porcelain Bugatti. Um, I never even heard of it before, but a porcelain Bugatti is a rare car that comes with a price tag of about $2.5 million dollars. It is made of porcelain inside and out. It has 1,001 horsepower. It will go from zero to 62 in 2.7 seconds. <laughs> and I was going to put a picture of it up here, but then that's probably all you'd think about. But now I've got all the 16-year-old boys taking sermon notes or writing it down. Porcelain Bugatti. Um, amazing. It's an indeed rare car. They say it goes 253 miles per hour unless you have the roof off then it will only go 217 but the point is it's a rare car and so is this kind of woman that God says we should aspire to be as ladies and men should aspire to find as young men so let's take a look at some of these characteristics that we should be looking for if it will advance. Now it's advanced too many. I don't know, it's just not working very well. In verse 10, it says, A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. She is a virtuous woman. She is godly, she is a servant, she is humble, and she is gracious. We see this, a great example of this, a couple examples in the Old Testament. Abraham's servant found Rebekah. Abraham tells him to go back to his people and find a wife for his son Isaac. And he tells him to look, he says, well, what if she doesn't come with me? He said, then, not the person. You are not going to take Isaac back there. She needs to be willing to come. And so that was even one of the requirements as he was looking for uh, a wife for Isaac. And so he prays. And as he prays, he's praying that she would come out and not only give him water, but water the camels as well. And that's exactly what she did. In fact, he wasn't even quite done praying, and Rebecca was on her way. Boy, wouldn't that be a prayer for dads? <laughs> that before you finish praying, God has answered the prayer. 
But she was a virtuous woman. We also see this in the book of Ruth, uh, in the example of Ruth. And he says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for all, you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman, a virtuous woman, a godly woman, a servant. And we know that she worked hard going out and gleaning in the fields. Ruth was a hard worker. Boaz knew about Ruth's character. She had a godly reputation. In contrast, in Scripture, we see Rahab the harlot. And throughout Scripture, she maintains that reputation in Scripture. A woman lacking virtue will bring shame to her husband and her family. But it says in Proverbs 12, 4, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. The second aspect we want to look at this morning is trustworthy. Trustworthy. Notice in verse 11, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. You see, her first priority beyond her relationship with God is her relationship with her husband. Not the children, not the grandchildren, not the great-grandchildren. The first priority of her relationships is God first and her husband second. She's reliable. She is honest. She is a person of integrity. She is reliable in her leadership in the home. She demonstrates loyalty and allegiance to her husband, and he feels secure in her love. She is his greatest cheerleader and confidant. When I want to pour out my heart about something that I'm struggling with or dealing with, it's my spouse I can go to. It's my wife. The confidence that I have and the confidential nature of being able to share with her about that struggle, about that fear, about that difficulty uh, is there. And it's a wonderful thing for a husband to have a trustworthy wife. You know, somebody said behind every good man stands a good woman and a surprise mother-in-law. And I think there's a lot of truth uh, to that. But her integrity suggests her wholeness and completeness. She is who she is. She is not two different people. One man said to another man that a, a woman with a bru uh, who is a brunette has a better disposition than one who is blonde or a redhead. And the man heard that and he said, no, that can't be true. He said, my wife was all three and I didn't notice any difference at all. <laughs> so, nobody, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, just so you know. But her service, her faithfulness, her devotion, her joy, her encouragement... She does not nag her husband. She has the ability to nurture those under her care and help them reach their potential for God. She trusts in God that God will meet all of her needs according to his riches and glory. And whether married or unmarried, she is looking to the Lord for her strength and her confidence. She can even hold her tongue. And that's important, to be able to hold your tongue. In fact... I recently was reminded about 
Calvin Coolidge, who was a man of few words, and all of us could really benefit from Calvin Coolidge. Uh, he attended church uh, one Sunday morning without his wife. She wasn't feeling well or for some reason couldn't attend the service. He goes to church. He comes home. His wife said, well, what did the pastor preach about this morning? He said, sin. He said, sin. And she was really wanting a little bit more. And she said, well, can you elaborate that on a little bit? What did he, what did he talk about with sin? He's against it. That was it. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, one lady made a, a wager that she would get Calvin Coolidge to say more than three words at a party. They were having this big gathering at her, her place, and, and so they were there for quite a while, several hours, and, and uh, the party is winding down, and she realized that Calvin Coolidge had not spoken a single word at this party. And so she acknowledged to the group, she said, you know, I have to admit, I made a wager that Calvin Coolidge would speak more than three words at this party. And she looked at him and she said, you have not said one word during this entire party. And I made a wager that I could get you to speak more than three words. And he said, you lose. <laughs> so the value of a husband having a wife who can control her tongue and whom he can trust in and have confidence in is of great value. Thirdly, energetic. Energetic. It says in Proverbs 3, or 31, 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings and plants a vineyard. And then drop down to verse 18. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is talented. She is industrious. She works hard. She knows her strengths as well as her weaknesses. Um, she's alert to what is happening around her. She has a well-managed household. Strength and power is exerted to support her family. She sets an example for her children, her grandchildren, by her efforts in the management of her home. She seeks to train her children, to model for her children this whole idea of industry. And it's a wonderful trait. Fourthly, physically fit. Proverbs 31, 17 says she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. You can't have strong arms and be physically unfit. There's a fitness, there's a physical fitness uh, to that. She dresses herself with strength. Good physical condition, healthy, takes care of her body, engages in activities that are healthy and proper for her age. It even tells us in 1 Timothy 
4, 8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. But bodily training has some value uh, to it. She recognizes her body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. She needs to be healthy to fulfill her God-given role in the home. And she looks for ways to protect her mind and her heart and her emotions. And you know, you can't protect your heart, your mind, and your emotions if you feed on romance novels and soap operas and those kind of things, or fantasizing. Uh, you protect your mind and your heart as well. You realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then fifthly, economical. Economical. Look in verse 18. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Um, Budget and diet are important. Um, And she focuses on that. Budgets can be made regardless of your level of income. It doesn't matter if you have a high level of income or a low level of income. Budgets can be made regardless of your level of income and should be. And they focus on that. They do not waste time or money not spending money frivolously. She doesn't want too much month and not enough money. She's a bargain hunter. She can find good deals. Even in our family with six kids, there were times we had a lot of hand-me-downs, but we never went without. God was always good and always provided for our needs. As a matter of fact, I have no idea how my parents sometimes supplied what we needed with six kids and my dad pastoring a tiny church and working a second job on the side to provide for our needs and how faithful the Lord is in all of that. When we honor the Lord, and I think one of the reasons that um, God blessed our family is because we did seek to honor the Lord. We weren't perfect broken family like any other but we sought to honor the Lord in our home and my dad was always a faithful giver Uh, he made little money but he gave a lot Uh, and he modeled that for us the faithfulness of giving to the Lord and if you haven't gotten into the habit of doing that you need to get into the habit of giving to the Lord because he will give back to you in ways that you cannot uh, imagine So we're going to stop here this morning, and we're going to pick back up next week with the remainder uh, of these. There are several others we want to look at, and rather than rush through them, we'll just take our time and and work through these. But as we think about femininity, I don't want the ladies to walk out feeling beat up. You shouldn't feel beat up. You should be encouraged. This is a, a work in progress. This is something that you continue to work on throughout your life and even all of us are supposed to aspire to the life of Jesus Christ and he's way way up here we never totally arrive and so we're always looking to progress and grow 
And God even reminded me on our trip, and I won't take the time to share this today, but I, I want to share with you how God has in recent weeks uh, just reminded me of my own brokenness and things that God wants to correct in my own life. And so there's things in each one of our lives that he wants to do. We have to give him access to our lives. And as the Holy Spirit puts his finger on things in our life, this is the power of the Word of God. It is not just a book. It is not just a literary writing. It is the inerrant, infallible Word of God to us. And so I say to the young men, young men, those of you who aren't married, what kind of woman are you looking for? Are you looking for the kind of lady who is aspiring to this kind of character in her life. If not, you're looking in the wrong direction and you will face heartache. And young ladies, if you are not aspiring to be this kind of person, then you're going to get your cues from the world and you will be heading down a wrong path. You will find the wrong kind of guy. You need to hold out for the kind of man that God wants you to have. And I want to encourage you in that because, yes, it's a rare find, but God can sovereignly bring your paths together for his honor and for his glory. I have a good friend. Uh, when we were in our singles group together in Virginia, I remember this young lady um, developed an interest in him, but he was in Romania and she was in the United States. That's a little distance. But you know what God did? He brought them together. They're married. They're in Romania. They have four children. They are serving the Lord. That's what God can do. So distance isn't an issue for the Lord. So I want to encourage you. Hold out for God's best. Pray for God's best. He has given us the blueprint. We just need to follow it. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And as we do, I just want to take a moment and encourage the ladies. I am so thankful for the godly ladies we have in this church. Not perfect, but you are aspiring to be this kind of person. And I'm grateful for it. Uh, we have men who are blessed with godly wives. You need to thank your wife for who she is and for what she does and realize what a rare find you have what a rare find you have we take each other for granted too many times and we need to come back to the scripture and say here's what masculinity is here's what femininity is here's what God has called us to and he can make that marriage thrive and those who aren't married, he can tell you, here's the guidelines you should be looking for in a spouse. Would you hold out for that and what God has for you? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible tells us that we are born in sin. We are born separated from God. We are born with an enmity with God, hostile toward God, the Bible says. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And if you are honest and you look in your heart, you will see your brokenness. When you begin to look at the pages of Scripture, Scripture reveals our brokenness. But it also reveals how we can be made whole, how God can deliver us from our sinfulness and make us righteous and make us holy. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's the first step to true masculinity for a man and true femininity for a woman. If you have questions, if we can pray for you, please see us after the service. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.